Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. It's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I, think, I think I know everybody. My name is Vince. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. I'm one of the elders here, the pastor over preaching and, and vision. We are in John chapter 15, uh, and we'll get into chapter 16 this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to John 15. Um, we'll be working through verse 4 of 16 this morning. John is in the New Testament, the back half of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Uh, I don't know about you all, but I uh, something I miss right now more than ever is normal travel. So I don't, I don't know if you like to travel or not, but I, I love to travel. I get to travel a fair amount with the net, uh, church planting network that we're a part of, which has been helpful for me. Um, but, but it's not been normal travel. We like to travel as a family. Um, we, we missed out on that this last summer because of uh, the pandemic, but we like to travel as a family as well. I just miss normal travel. There are some things I don't miss and th- some, some benefits uh, of travel right now. Lines are shorter at the airports and middle seats open and all that, but I still miss normal travel. I take back normal travel any day. Um, what if, uh, does anybody else miss travel? Am I the only one? Okay, a a little crowd participation to get you going um, so that I don't feel alone up here. If if you could go anywhere right now, if you could leave here right now, don't leave. But if you could leave right now, um, you get on a plane, where would you go? Tokyo. I think think some of us knew that answer was coming. Um, Where else? What's the weather like in Tokyo? Is it cold? I have no idea. Moderate. Cool. Okay. Where else would you go? Florida. That's a good place. Good choice right now, especially. Anyone else? Australia. Wow. Wait, Hawaii? Did I hear Hawaii over here? All right. Well, um, I, yeah, I think the, the consensus is at least a little bit warmer. We'd go somewhere a little bit warmer um, or cool. Uh, so... Um, so what if, I, what if I offered you all an, an all-expense-paid vacation right now? Travel expenses are covered. Everything you needed during that vacation, during your stay there, would be covered and right there on site, ready for you to go, accessible for your use at any time. If I offer that to you, you'll, you'll need to, to take nothing with you to make that vacation happen. All of the costs would be covered. What would you say to that? You'd go, right? I think we all would, right? Or, or at least you'd maybe thinking, is he trying to sell us the timeshare and how many friends do I have to have uh, sign up as well? Uh, but what if I was offering that to you right now? I think we'd all say, yep, I'm in. Let, let me go. I can get work off. I'll, I'll go. But let's say I offered you that same trip. And instead of saying everything will be taken care of, all of your wildest dreams will come true in that trip, what if I said to you instead, I promise to you that once you got to that location, 
everyone in that location would be adamantly opposed to you. They would call you names. Uh, They would laugh at you during conversations. They would reject the things that you said to them over and over. They would avoid any attempt uh, of yours to have a relationship. And, And at times, you would even be afraid to walk down the street in that location because those who lived there and lived there the longest and knew the culture the, the best, they were out to cause you physical harm. What if all of that was on my information brochure for this vacation that you just said you would like to go on? Would you take me up on that? I don't think many of us would, would we? Belief in Jesus is an easier sell when we hear Jesus say things like what we heard a few weeks ago, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Right? That's, a, that's an easier sell. It's an easier sell when we hear Jesus say to his disciples, my peace I leave with you. Uh, uh, my joy, it will be yours. That's an easier sell, isn't it? In the chapters of John we've been looking at over the last few weeks, Jesus is giving His closest, uh, uh, his closing words to His disciples before He walks obediently to the cross. He's promised the Holy Spirit. He's, he's called His followers to abide in Him, to continually rest in Him, to marinate in Him. John is highlighting now over and over this repeated invitation. John the author is offering this repeated invitation to believe. Following Jesus is easier to swallow when we hear Jesus say those things that are easy to take in. But if the offer from Jesus was, believe that I am who I say I am, and along with eternal life, in life on this earth, you'll be hated. You'll be persecuted. You you may even be killed. What if that is Jesus' offer? Not what if, (laughs) But that is the promise from Jesus. In fact, look at John chapter 15, verse 17. This hinge verse between the two sections that we are walking through. Look at verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is a connection between what, what John said, what we saw last week of, yep, uh, abide in me and, and, and what's to come is I'm telling you all of this so that you will love one another. You need one another in the midst of abiding in me and in the midst of painful loss. You will need one another. This is the verse that ties both of these sections together. We need one another, don't we? We desperately need one another, especially as we look at the hard sayings of Jesus. What we're about to read is challenging, just to put it lightly. In some ways, it's unbelievable. The kinds of things we're about to read will cause many of us to ask questions, challenging things to take in, maybe even begin to ask some questions of our own faith. And we've been talking about this as elders over the last couple of weeks and and really want um, uh, to be the kind of church where we're able to ask questions when we're struggling and when we're being challenged. We want to be the kind of place where it's okay to say, "Ah, this is hard. And people then won't look down at you and say, maybe this person's not a Christian. Where there's some grace there, where we're able to work through some of the things that that we're wrestling with in in a way that says, yes, I understand that, that the Bible is our final authority, but I've got some questions with how these things work out. We want to be that kind of place. 
And so I'll invite you all, I've invited every gathering that we've been a part of this morning, I'll invite you that, that if you don't feel like this is the kind of place where you can openly ask questions and not be ridiculed for, for your struggle, um, if you don't feel like that, would you come and talk to us? We'll, we'll invite you or just send us an email or tell your friends to tell us so that you don't have to be that, that person. We want to hear from you about those kinds of things because we want to be the kind of place where it's okay to be asking some hard questions because there's some hard things in, in, in Scripture, asking some hard questions uh, about what these things mean. We've got some challenging things in front of us even this morning. So I want us to look at at verse 18, and we'll read a section here. Look at verse 18. After that hinge verse, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Here's what's being said in summary. Here's what Jesus is getting at in in summary. Because of Jesus, expect hatred. Because of Jesus, we can expect to be hated. He starts in verse 18, If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before you. Jesus says in verse 19, I chose you out of the world. I pulled you out of the world. And Jesus is the emphasis, not not us. The emphasis is, I chose you. I'm the one who chose you out of this. That's why the world hates you. Not because of you, but because of me. Verse 20, remember what I've already said to you. A servant isn't greater than his master. Jesus is pointing his disciples back to to that intimate setting in John 13, 16, where where he stripped down to a towel and washed his disciples' feet. And he's saying, remember I said it there. I'm also saying it here. A servant isn't greater than his master. We're in this together. If they persecute me, they're, they're going to persecute you as well. If they listen and obey to my word, which you have, they'll do the same with you too. But it's all on account of my name, not yours. It's all because of me, not you. All of this hatred from the world comes because of me. And ultimately, it's because they don't know the God who sent me. And so Jesus goes on to say, they know what they're doing. They're not ignorant of this. They know what they're doing. This is an active choice of hatred, animosity, and persecution. I've spoken to them, and they've seen the miracles, the signs, the works that I've done. They know very well what they're doing, and they're guilty. They have hatred for me and the Father. He's speaking specifically to the Jews here, but I think we can read this and see where he's going. He says, their very own law is fulfilled in their hatred of me. Scripture is fulfilled as they hate me. And Jesus is referring to David's psalms, both uh, Psalm 35 and 69, where David says they hated me without cause. 
So this is a, a messianic psalms of David where Jesus is the fulfillment of them. And Jesus says, their hatred of me fulfills the scripture that they know, of course. And we all know because of Jesus, we can expect hatred because he was hated first. And if we're united with Him, which we are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're united with Him. If we're abiding with Him, if we're resting in that, we can expect to be hated too. That peace is often a peace we leave out of our evangelism practices, isn't it? Hey, come follow Jesus. You'll be hated. Right? That's often something we leave out of our evangelism practices. The cost of following Jesus, though, has got to be a part of this conversation. It must be, not as a deterrent, because we don't want people to believe in Jesus, but as a reality. Jesus promises this. And so Jesus continues, once again, uh, introducing us to the role of the Helper, the role of the, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. He says, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, when we read about the Holy Spirit, especially now that we've seen this in John a couple times, we read about the Holy Spirit and, and we may be tempted to think, well, because of the, the Holy Spirit coming in as a helper, things are going to get easier for me. We've got the helper. It's going to be e- easier. Not as much hatred as if the Holy Spirit is running PR for Jesus, right? Hey, Jesus, don't talk anymore. I've got this. That, that, but that's not what's happening. And in fact, what Jesus is really getting at is this. That because of the Spirit, we can expect hatred as well. Let me show you how we see that. He says, when the Helper comes, sent by me from the Father, once I'm crucified and resurrected and ascended to be exalted, the Holy Spirit will come sent by me from the Father and He'll bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit is pointing all things back to whom? Jesus, right? But if all the attention is being pointed to Jesus and the world hates that, we should expect hatred as well. The Holy Spirit is pointing all attention to Jesus. Have you ever thought about the role of the Holy Spirit in that way? We often think about the role of the Holy Spirit in our own lives, in the the life of the believer, but the the role of the Holy Spirit, at least uh, to the world, uh, in the world's perspective, is is He's pointing uh, the world to the greatness of Jesus. The Spirit keeps pointing the world to the greatness of Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And so if if the Spirit is pointing to the greatness of Jesus and, and, and the world hates Jesus, the, the, the world then is going, we can expect that same kind of hatred. And we're included in this as well. Have you thought about that? That you have a part to play in this as well. Verse 27, Jesus' disciples bear witness to Him. Jesus' followers point attention to Him. So we're doing the same. When we follow Jesus, we're pointing attention to Jesus. And because of that, the world hates Him. And if the world hates Him, and remember, all attention's on Him. If the world hates Him, it hates us because we follow Him. Does that make sense? There's a big circle there. If the world hates Jesus, and the Spirit's pointing to Jesus, and we're pointing to Jesus, the world's going to hate Jesus all the more, and in turn, hate us. Let me just simplify it down to the, the furthest degree. If you don't want to be hated by the world, don't follow Jesus. And at the same time, and I've thought about this all week and and hesitated back and forth to ask this kind of question. I don't want to be manipulative, but maybe a question that, that would come to mind. 
if you're not currently experiencing hatred from the world, why? Maybe that's something to think about this week. If you're not currently experiencing hatred from the world, why? Now, I'm not saying, so don't write this down in your notes, I'm not saying we should go out there and be idiots for Jesus so that we can experience hatred. That's not what I'm saying. Now, we've seen that, haven't we? That's not what Jesus is calling us to. Hey, go find suffering. right? Go be an idiot for me and find suffering. That's not what I'm getting at, but I think the question still remains, if you're not currently experiencing hatred from the world, why is that? Because of Jesus and because of the testimony of the Spirit and because of our own witness of Jesus, we can and should expect hatred from the world. Because this is what Jesus received. Hatred. Now friends, listen, this isn't easy to take in, is it? thought about this a lot this week, and I thought, well, why don't we experience, at least for me, why don't I experience uh, hatred from the world? And, and one of my thoughts was, well, well, do we live in such a tolerant place that just everything's acceptable, right? And, and really, whatever you believe, you can believe, and it's okay, and, and we just move on with life. And, and that may be part of it. But then I think what's happened in my own life is that I've recognized that the world is tolerant of my beliefs and I've become tolerant of their tolerance and I've just decided, you know what, it's not worth saying anything. Has anybody else been there? It's just not even worth expressing where I stand in any of this because everybody is tolerant of everything. These words from Jesus are, are not easy to take in. As followers of Jesus, we've been chosen out of the world, a world that would love us if we just stayed in it. And and we've been chosen out of that to follow Jesus, one who has been hated, and by extension, we are hated as well. Now, who wants that? No one wants that. No one wants to experience that kind of hatred. No one wants to be ostracized from family because of their, their faith. No one wants to be laughed at or ridiculed. Listen, Jesus received that shoved out from his family, ridiculed by others. He promises that. No one wants to be laughed at. No one wants to, uh, to, to lose business deals because of where they stand. No one wants to miss out on relationships or feel isolated or left out from a group of, uh, of friends. No one wants to be labeled as the religious kook by, by a neighbor. Right? No one wants to be looked down on as unintelligent because of your faith. Oh, you lean on that stuff. No one wants to be wrongly associated with this or that political party and then grouped in with all of their goofy beliefs. It would be much easier to merge right in with the world because the world would love us and show acceptance toward us, at least temporarily accept us. But Jesus promises that we will be hated just like He has been hated before us. And that hatred finds its starting point in God. As followers of Jesus, we're in good company with hatred. If we're hated, we can just know, yep, Jesus has been hated. We're united with Him in this. But, but still, that doesn't take away the fact that it's hard. It doesn't feel great. We don't, we don't want to be hated. And as, as, hard, as hard as it is to comprehend the, the hatred that comes to us because of the hatred of Jesus from, from the world, can we rest in some truths from God's Word this morning? Do you know that God's Word speaks over us as we face 
hatred, as we face persecution, as we face suffering from the world because of our following Jesus. God's Word speaks over us. I did a search this week on where in the New Testament does it it talk about our suffering because of our faith. And every single passage, and, and there are lots of them, every single passage that talks about our suffering or our persecution because of our faith is positive. The outcome is positive. In fact, let me just share some of the the benefits, the blessings that that come along with our standing firm in our faith and, and the suffering that may come about. You will be rewarded in heaven and not just in heaven. You'll experience some of that even here. You may not realize it now, but, but you will see it when you're with Jesus. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Uh, Jesus says, Blessed are, are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward, reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before me. You will be rewarded in heaven. Secondly, you will be glorified. In His suffering, Jesus was glorified and we join in that. Romans 8, 15-17 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. It's mind-boggling to me that yet we join in with Christ. We're heirs with Him provided we suffer with Him so that we also receive that, that same kind of glorification. Third, you will be empowered by Christ. When we suffer, we promote the power of Jesus and our weaknesses are overwhelmed by the power of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's quoting from from Jesus there. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You'll be empowered by Christ. You'll receive that power. You'll, you'll sense that. Fourth, you will have fellowship with Christ. We're united with Christ. We get to share in His com- uh, this common the theme of suffering. Philippians 3, Paul says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We'll have fellowship with Christ in our suffering for, for what we believe. You will have favor with God. When we suffer because of our faith in the eyes of God, it's considered a gracious thing. Paul says it finds favor with God. First Peter 2. For this is a gracious thing. We, we experience the grace of God. We experience the favor of God. It's a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it When you suffer and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. It's it's favorable in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. You'll find favor with God. And finally, we could go on and on. There there are lists of verses that show the the benefits, the blessings of, uh, of this. 
you will be restored, strengthened, and established. Look at that list. You'll be restored, strengthened, and established. We're, we're not left destroyed, crushed, uncertain. No, we, we, we receive restoration, confirmation, strength. God establishing us. First Peter 5, 10 and 11. He says, and after you've suffered for uh, suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, just look at this is just a a sampling of the list of verses that we can come up with in in the New Testament of the, the blessings, the benefits we gain from suffering for the sake of Christ, for the name of Christ. I'm not saying we ought to pursue suffering and, and persecution. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, hey, look at this list. Shouldn't we go out there now and, and just try to find it? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. But if that's a sampling of the list of blessings that come with that kind of suffering by the power of the Spirit working in us, suffering ought not be a deterrent to our abiding in Christ. Right? The Christian life is gain. To know Christ and to be in Christ is gain. It ought not to be a deterrent of our abiding in Christ. And Jesus continues to affirm that. Look at chapter 16. We'll, we'll read four verses here where that, that are connected. Look at verse 16. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you. There it is again. That when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Here's where it all comes together. Because of Jesus and the Spirit. Here's the call. Here's the charge. Here's the challenge for us. Endure. Endure. Persevere. Jesus says, I've said all of this. All of what? Because he says it twice. All of what? I've talked to you about abiding in me. I've talked to you about the spirit of the help. I've talked to you about the hatred that's coming because of your following me. I've prepped you for this. I've prepared you for this. I've prepared you for all this coming. You know it's coming. I've said all of this to you to keep you, what? From falling away. Endure. I've said all of this to keep you from falling away. I've given you some inside information about what will happen when you follow me. It's a promise. It's going to happen so that when it does, you won't walk away. One author I I read this week said this. I want want to read this quote to you. I'll read it a couple times because it took me some time to, to take in. Maybe you're more intelligent than me, but just hear this. The greatest danger Jesus' followers will confront from the opposition of the world is not death, but apostasy. I'll read it again. The greatest danger Jesus' followers will confront from the opposition of the world is not death, but apostasy, a falling away, a, a walking away. In other words, I'll just simplify it. In, in other words, who cares if you die in your persecution so long as you continue to endure in the faith? How many of us want to push against that? Push against persecution because it's painful, 
Right? It may lead to death, Jesus says, but, but to push against what Jesus has promised is potentially an abandoning of faith in Him. To, to walk away from, from what you've been walking toward, that, that you may not be a follower of Jesus to begin with. To, to endure in our faith, in the face of opposition, in the face of, uh, of persecution, in the face of suffering, ought to increase and encourage our faith. Why? Because Jesus has promised it. And we see in the promises of Jesus, those being kept, that, that, that He's called us to endure because we already know what's coming. He says, they'll put you out of the synagogues. He's speaking to the, the Jewish people who are listening at that point. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. They think your, your death will actually be a win for God because they don't have their eyes fixed on me and they don't believe in God. I'm telling you all of this, Jesus says again, so that when it happens, you'll remember that I told you all of this. I'm telling you this so that you'll remember I told you this. Friends, because of Jesus in the Spirit's ongoing work, the call on us, because Jesus has already told us about it, the call on us is to endure. But we're not alone. We have the Spirit working in us. We have the promises of Jesus spoken over us. We have the God over all things who's called us His own. And we have one another. We have one another. And the call is to endure. We'll end here. Um, Paul speaks a lot of, uh, about this. Peter does as well. But we'll, we'll finish out here from, from some encouragement from Paul in this. Now think about Paul. A man who uh, both persecuted Christians, that was his job, and, and once was changed, once he was changed by Jesus, he also then was persecuted because of his faith in Jesus. So he's experienced both sides. And because of that, he speaks so much of all of this, and, and it's a great comfort to us in knowing where Paul is coming from on, on this side uh, of his call. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, and I just want you to hear these words. 2 Corinthians 4. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted. Hear this. But, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And he goes on. So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We endure. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Friends, Jesus has promised that we will face this. But He's also promised us the Spirit as a help. And He's also promised that we have one another. That, that we're to love one another. That's the call and that's what we have 
together. We're in this walking together with Christ, one who has walked before us toward a suffering. He was hated, is hated, and we will be hated by extension of that and in our union with Him. The promise. But we have the Spirit. We're waiting not for the things to get better here, but we know that our hope is in, in the future. It's transient, the things we face here, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And we're experiencing some of the blessings even now. Even now. So what I want to do for us this morning as we respond is I want to spend some time praying for us. If you're anything like me this week as I work through this passage, I was convicted in all kinds of ways. In the ways that I... I don't know that I've experienced hatred from the world and it's really caused me to question why. There's been some conviction there. So I want to pray for us and and I think the word that comes to mind for me is courage. That we would have the kind of courage needed to, to, to be bold in front of those who do not yet know Jesus as we communicate our the hope that we have in Him. Let's pray. Father, we come to passages like this that um, it'd be easier to dodge altogether. These are promises from Jesus and we, we know that the promises of Jesus are always kept. Your promises, God, are always kept. And those promises are kept in Jesus. And so, as we read through this and we read about the hatred that we would receive because of our uh, union with Christ, are abiding in Him. God, I pray that You would give us courage. Uh, If anyone here is facing suffering or facing persecution or or facing the the, um, ridicule of those around them because of their faith, I pray that You would give courage. I pray that You would give endurance. I pray that You would bolster their faith because they know that Jesus has promised it. And if they're experiencing it, they're resting in the promises of Jesus. Would You encourage us in that way? And God, would You also give courage to those like me who, as I think about my week, my month, these last um, years, as I think about the people who are right even in in my cul-de-sac and I just shy away from conversations altogether thinking... They're tolerant, and so I've become that way as well. God, would You give me the courage to speak about the hope that I have in Jesus? That I would be prepared to give a reason for the hope that I have in Jesus. No matter what the response is, we have this treasure. The goodness of Jesus, the the salvation found only in Jesus, that we would speak about that and And understand that hatred comes from that because the world has hated Jesus and before that hated you. We're in good company in that. So I pray that You'd give us courage all the way around. Convict us, Spirit, where we need that. All of this is for the fame of Jesus. And so I pray that we would see that uh, clearly. These things we ask in the name of Your Son. Amen. Take some time this morning to consider some of these things and then come and celebrate.